This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, all our Torah Anytime viewers. Tonight, we are learning to Rachel Bat Chanabasha and Lilu Nishmat Binyamin Rael Ben Gershon Yeshaya, as well as Lilu Nishmat Avram Ben Chaim Yehuda and Yechaskel Ben Avraham. Okay, so. So as as we approach Purim, Purim is one of those one of those holidays where you could uh, there's so much information on it, and and it's not only there's so much information in it. In uh, what, what I mean by so much information, there's so much that you can learn from the story of Purim that even if you know a certain. I want to call it Vart, but, but let's not call it Vart. Let's say you know a certain idea that you learned from the Purim story. You could take that idea and you could literally, you could, you could branch that off into learning a hundred different lessons. And I'm not exaggerating by saying a hundred. You could, you can, you can really tear apart this, the, the, the story of Purim and, and learn it and delve into it. And you can really f- find so much, so, there's so much depth in it. And, I, there are certain, uh, you know, like there's certain, uh, uh, Yom Tov that have better mazel, let's call it, for Dvar Torahs or for people to learn in it. Purim is one of those, is one of those, uh, Yom Tovim where you could find so much Torah on it. You could find so much and, and it's, it's beautiful. It's not only that, it's like this story of Purim. Like the story of Hanukkah is amazing also, but the story of Purim, there's like a, it's like a different level. It's, a, there's something different about Purim, something that we can't really like, like pinpoint that, but there's something just different about it. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're, I'm going to go somewhere deep. We're going very, very deep tonight. So you really have to stay, you really have to stay with me. Uh, and I hope that even if you don't get the whole thing, if you get, 80% of it, I'll be very happy. Very, very happy if you get 80% of what I'm about to say. And if you only get 80%, just know it's not your fault. It's my fault for not being able to do it more clearly. So with that, try to bear with me. Try to stay with me. And let me take you on this wonderful journey as we enter Purim through the spiritual depths of, of, of what I want to say reality is what reality is because really the, 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 the Torah is reality and everything else is superficial. So listen to this. So the difference, one of the many differences between Yiddishkeit, Judaism and other religions, especially if you look at the Christianity or Islam, uh, the, the, the sub shoots of Judaism is the way that they classify Physical and spiritual. So there's a dichotomy. There's a, there's an extreme opposite difference in the other religions between something that's spiritual and something that's physical. And if you want to delve into the spirituality, you have to run away very far away from the physicality. Meaning that if you look at, let's say, Christianity, if you want to be a holy person, you have to be celibate. You can't get married. You can't have children. You can't, you have to be all alone and you have to, fo- you have to run away from the physical pleasures of the world and you have to focus solely on the spiritual and and that's the only way you're going to be able to connect to be let's say call it a holy person in islam an, an example would be that you're not allowed to drink alcohol you're not allowed to drink wine wine is is forbidden uh it's called haram it's it's you're not allowed to drink that and it's it's in the you're, you're delving into the physical pleasures and you have to stay away what's interesting about judaism what's interesting about yiddishkeit that it's just the opposite and what we're gonna, Bezat Hashem, hopefully uncover is, how is it that it's just the opposite? Islam and Christianity, they came from Judaism. So how is it that Judaism teaches exactly the opposite? The highest form of holiness comes through materialistic matters. The proof of this, the, the biggest proof of this is Purim. You look at Purim, Purim, there is a mitzvah to eat, to drink. It's a very, very physical, and superficially, it's a very physical style Yom Tov, even though in, in the, in the reality, it's extremely spiritual. But in the superficial era, it's, it's a very physical Yom Tov. It's, it's eating and there's drinking and there's parties and there's different, different things that all stem and all point to one direction and that's physicality. What's interesting is that you take the most holiest day of the year. If you ask any Jew, any good Jew, what's the holiest day of the year? They will say without a, a thinking a second Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur has got to be the holiest day of the year. What's Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur. It's a day that's like, key is like Pur. Pur is Purim. So it's Yom Kippur is a day that's like Purim, meaning that Purim 
in a sense, is higher than Yom Kippur. What everybody claims to be the highest, or what everybody assumes to be the highest, most 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 uh, uh, a spiritual day of the year in the Jewish calendar is Yom Kippur. Purim is even higher. Now, when you look at Yom Kippur and you look at Purim, Yom Kippur is a day of fasting, of celibate. You, you, you're staying away from physicality. Purim, you're delving into physicality. So really, the essence, really, it should make sense that running away from physicality, that should be the holiest day. So why is it that Purim is, the Yom Kippur is like Kippurim. It's only like Purim. It's all, it appears that Purim is the primary and Yom Kippur is sort of the secondary. And to take this matter a little further... We'll have to understand a very interesting Gemara. Gemara Megillah, page seven B, that says that Amarava Mechayev Inish Levisume. A person has to drink before ya on Purim Adeloyada until he doesn't know Ben Ar Haman Levarach Morachai. Until between cursed is is Haman and blessed is Mordechai. Meaning that you don't know between when you have to bless Haman and when you have to bless Mordechai. When you have to curse Haman, when you have to curse Mordechai. This is also something that that we spoke about before, but I want to get uh, from a little bit of a different angle. So I would like to share with you something that I learned from the Shvile Pinchas. Shvile Pinchas is a Pinchas Friedman. And Rabbi Pinchas Friedman has a, 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 the depth. One of the things that I love about the Shvile Pinchas is that when you learn it, it's not, you, you don't learn a director. You have to really concentrate. If you really, cause you can learn it superficially, you can read it and you can understand, but you have to, you, if you really delve into it, there's so many layers into it. And that's where Torah becomes so beautiful. With the more that you delve in it, more that you, the more that you go inside it, you'll see that Kulaba, you can find so much inside of it. And this is that, really, that's the way that you should learn all, everything. Everything that you learn in Torah, you should always delve deeper and deeper. So let's try to delve deep into this, into this, into the subject. The Yalkut Ravani, and, uh, you know, the, um, the B'nai Yitzchassar, also there's a lot of, uh, you know, sources for this, that Haman and Mordechai, right, the two main characters in the story, if we call it that, in the story of Purim, are really a reincarnation of Adam, Adam Arishon, and the Nachash. So Haman is a reincarnation of the Nachash, the snake in the original sin of the Eitz and Mordechai is a reincarnation, is a Gilgal of Adam Harishon. And the, 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 the I guess a source that you can look at is Gemara and Chul page 139b that says Haman minatara minayim from where do we the Gemara asks where do we see Haman in the Torah and the Gemara answers it's you look at the hate of the Eitz Adas you look at the sin of the Eitz Adas in Bereshit chapter 3 verse 11 Haman ha'etz asher tzivisicha levilti achom mena achalta Kaddish Baruch was telling Adam Arishan, did you eat from the tree? Hamin ha'etz. The letters Haman and Hamin is the same letters. Hey, mem nun. Kaddish Baruch was saying, did you eat from the tree that I told you that you shouldn't eat from? So the source, the origin of Haman is where is from the Eitz Adas. And when you look at the story of Purim, Haman is trying to invoke that sin of the Eitz Adas. An example. The uh, Haman wanted to put Mordechai on a tree that was 50 amas tall. Says Rav Yonas and Ibshitz and Yaris Devash, what was the idea of hanging Mordechai on a tree 50 amas tall? He was trying to invoke the memory of the hate of the Eitz Hadas. The, the, the sin, the original sin of the tree was was a tree. Now he's trying to put Mordechai on a tree also. The Gemara and Brachas, another different uh, you know uh, idea on this. The Gemara and Brachas, uh, page 40a Says that what was the what was the tree? What was the fruit of the tree? It was a grapevine, and not only that, Rabbi Yehuda goes and says that the what Chava did was Chava squeezed the grapes, meaning that the sin of the Eitzadas. People think it's an apple, just because I don't know why. No, no source of that, but whatever. The the real one of the one of the. One of the, uh, um, Mepharshim, what they say, one of the reasons, one of the fruits that it was, was a grapevine. What does it mean as, a, as a, it was a grapevine? That Chava took the grapes and she squeezed it and made it into a drink and she gave it to Adam Arishan to drink. How we further connect the story of Purim to the story of Adam and Chava and the Chet of the Eitz where we see this Purim, this Purim story is loaded with, with wine drinking, which we'll soon see. Very obvious is the first party. As you open up the, 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 the Megillah, it starts off with saying that the, the party of Ahasuerus was filled with wine. What was the, what was the wine? Your age was the wine that you got. Meaning that if you were a 60 year old, you got 60 year old wine. Can you imagine the cost of what, what ran such a party? And this party wasn't just for one day, right? You're talking about a six month plus party. Going back to the to the Eitz Adas, what was the outcome of the Eitz Adas? The outcome of the Eitz Adas, listen to this, this is a chiddush you probably have not heard before. The pro, the outcome of the Eitz Adas was the the Yetzahara, the evil inclination, the Nachash, 
entered Adam and he sort of stole the simcha of a mitzvah. And, and the Shemesh Mool goes and explains this. This is on, on uh, Sukkot. So Shemesh Mool says that the source of simcha really is what? Is in the realm of Kedusha. But the powers of the other side, the powers of impurity, the powers of Tumah went and stole it from the realm of Kedusha. There was the, the, the real origin, the real the real source of Kedusha is purity. But what happened was, from the Chet of the Eitzadas, the impure forces stole that Kedusha. And if you look at the story of the of, the, of Purim, the central theme is of wine and simcha. Wine and happiness. And there's constantly like this struggle that goes back and forth between the simcha, the happiness of, of, of uh, really of depravity of, of Haman and Achashverosh, and the simcha of Torah mitzvahs with Mordechai and Esther. And it's a constant like balance. When one is up, the other one is down, and so on, it, 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 and vice versa. The, you, you look how the, the, the Purim story started with the party of the wine. The party of the wine, that was bad simcha. The Yidin did something, the Jews did something that they should have done. What happened? They got decreed that they were going to be destroyed. Once they got the destroyed, so they now the, the Jewish, the good simcha, the good happiness went down, and the bad simcha went up. What happened? That you see, after they were decreed to, to be destroyed, it says, They went and they sat to drink, to be merry, to be happy. And what happened was, is that now Esther... Um, Giving a quick recap, we're going to go through it in quick, in, in great detail. If you don't under, if you're not following it so far, just stick with me. Hopefully you'll get it very soon. It'll start clicking. Esther went, and Esther invited Haman and Achashverosh to a, uh, to a party. And what is, what, what was the party? Vahamelech, Vahaman, Yashvu Lishtais. They went and they sat, they, they, they went and they sat and they drank. What type of party did Esther make? Esther make the the, the pasuk tells us in uh, Esther chapter five verse four. If it's good on the king, let him go to my party. What what how, what was the, the the vernacular that she used for party? Mishta Mishta is drink. Why did she use the word drink? Because Rashi says the essence of that drink was wine. It was it was a drinking feast. That's what that's what ha- that's that's the essence of it. And then what happened was is once the tables have turned and and the Jews went back up. All of a sudden, the you look at the end of the Megillah. It says that the that the Yidden, which it should make losses isam, you may mishta v'simcha. They should make it a days of of mishta of drinking a v'simcha. Really, mishta is feasting, but feasting the essence. The the word mishta is is drinking and simcha and and happiness. So we see over here. There is a constant struggle in a battle between Haman and Achashverosh in the wine and the drinking and the simcha, and then and Mordechai and Esther in again in wine and drinking and simcha. And there's this is the central theme that we see that we see in it. Again, if you didn't follow me so far, just stay with me. We're going to get through it much clearer. So let's go into this a little bit clearer to understand. Let's delve a little bit deeper into this. Before the Avera, before the sin of the Eitzadas, the Yitzhara was on the outside. Meaning that Adam and Chava knew what was bad and, and good only in a sense that they had, they had an outside force trying to persuade them to do either bad or good. Once they ate from the Eitz Hadas, or in this situation, once they drank from the Eitz Hadas, it, the, 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 the entire mindset became very fuzzy, meaning that the Yetzirah sort of entered them, and now they have the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah They have the evil inclination and the good inclination. And things become unclear when you have these two forces inside of you. So the evil inclination came, came inside, and now this is what is known as, instead of having one heart, uh, a good inclination, you had two hearts, a good inclination and an evil inclination. And we could see this where when, when Avram Avinu went and he gave the Malachim food to eat in Barashas chapter 18 verse 5, it says, and he wanted to give them a, a piece of bread, and Avram tells the angels, and sustain your hearts. What does that mean that sustain your hearts over here? Meaning that you should, you should feel sustained. But what was the word the, the, that he used? It's the way the word that he used is libchem. Libchem, says Rashi, is one heart. 
It's not levavchem. It's not two hearts. It's one heart. Why? Because the, an angel only has one heart. It only has the good inclination. It doesn't have the evil inclination. And that's why in the Torah, when Avram speaking to the angels, it's referring to it as libchem, singular, one heart. As opposed to humans, we know we say it in Shema every day in Devarim chapter 6, verse 5, You have to love your God with with all your heart, what's bechol levavcha? Levavcha over here is plural. It's two. It's two hearts. What's the two hearts that we have to love Hakadosh Baruch Hu? with the good inclination and with the evil inclination? So we see over here, angels one. They have only good inclination. They don't have any evil inclination. They don't have free will. It's only they follow the good. Human beings, they have good inclination and evil inclination. Both of those we're supposed to use to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And hence, with both of your, of your hearts. So now, when we look in regards to Torah, the Pasuk at the Helm, chapter 19, verse 9, says, the, the, this is in reference to the Torah, that it's causing the happiness. What's the happiness? Lave, singular. Meaning that Torah causes happiness, not for the evil inclination, it only causes happiness for the good inclination. As opposed to something very interesting, you look at wine. Let's look at wine. Tehillim, chapter 104, verse 15. Yayin is going and it's, 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 it's making what happy? It's making the hearts. Levav is plural, is two hearts. It's making your good inclination, the evil inclination. And we can say, wait a minute, stop for a second. Wait a, wine, I can understand. It's a physical thing. How could it go and it can make your good inclination? How could it, how could it affect the Yetzir Tov? It could affect the Yetzir Haram. Meaning, so we have over here that the Malachim have one, one inclination. Just the, just the good inclination. And that's why, that's why it says that, that when Avram Avinu says, the Singular. Humans have two. Both of them. Torah can only satisfy one. It's only the good inclination. But wine has the ability to satisfy both. The good inclination and the evil inclination. So we have to understand how is it possible that wine, something physical, can go and can satisfy both. And the answer is, is that if you take wine and you use it for a mitzvah, for example, Kiddush, right? You make Kiddush on a wine. You're you're taking something physical and you're gladdening the Yetzirah and you're gladdening the Yetzirah. Meaning not in a negative way that you're gladdening the Yetzirah. You're raising it to a higher level. You're bringing Simchaf. You're taking something and you're raising it up to the to level of Kiddusha. So when we look at the Eitz Hadas Tovarah, when you're looking at the good, the, 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 the tree of knowledge of good and bad, why is it called good and bad? Meaning that if the Eitz Hadas would have been used for a mitzvah, it would have been toiv. If it would, was used for a avera, or better yet, for non-mitzvah, it would have been ra. Meaning, so the Eitz Hadas Tovra had the ability, you either use it for good, and it's going to be good, or use it for bad, and it's going to be bad. Unfortunately, Adam and Chava, they use it for the bad, they didn't wait for it. In fact, listen to this, the Arachim says if Adam would have waited until Erev Shabbos, he would have waited until he was created on Shabbos, Shabbos Kiddush, he was supposed to make Kiddush on the Eitz Hadas. Says the Arachayim. If he would have waited until Shabbos Kiddush, he would have taken the Eitz Hadas Tovarah and he would have used it for the Tov and he would have been able to have of that fruit. But he did it prematurely. He took it early and hence it was, it was unfortunately towards, towards the Ra. So we see over here that wine has the ability to tap into the good and tap into the bad. Something very, very powerful. So now let's look at the story of Purim. And if you only understood 50% of what I said so far, you're good. Because soon you're going to be able to understand it with much greater clarity. When when you look at Haman, we said Haman is the Nachash and Mordechai was on the Marishan. Haman, the Nachash, he went, the snake, he went and he tried to get Ahasuerus to destroy the Jews. How did he get them to destroy the Jews? To in a similar fashion that he tried to get Adam to eat from the Eitzadas in the original sin. He tried to sort of replicate what he what he did. And and in the, in the Medrash in Esther Abba, uh, Haman goes over to Achashverosh and he says, "Elakim shel elu, the Jewish God, Soinezima, he hates immorality. So let's take it, let's give them wine." 
Let's make them a party of wine. They'll take the wine. They'll behave immoral. And then they will fall into depravity. Meaning that we're going to give them the simcha. We're going to give them the happiness. But they're going to use it for the negative. They're not going to use it for the good. And that's where the Megillah opens up with the excessive simcha that speaks about the immorality. The third year of Ahasuerus' reign. Ahasuerus made a huge party. And in this party he invited all the Jews and the Jews came and they, and they drank. And the point was to get the Jewish people to sin. Mordechai saw this and he's like, wait a minute. He's like, this is not going to be good. And he goes and he takes a stand. Don't go to the party. Don't go to it. It's not a good idea. Unfortunately, the Jewish people did not listen and they went to the party and they ate and they drank. And once they ate and they drank and they fell into the sin, the same sin that was the, of the original hate of the Eitz Adas, all of a sudden the Satan stood up and badmouth them to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, now I will go and uh, you know inscribe them that they will be destroyed. And they were inscribed to be destroyed. They were going to be destroyed by HaKadosh Haman and HaKadosh However, as the story unfolds, and as Haman goes and and tries to exterminate all the Jews, we know during this time, when the Jews were down and they were due for extermination, it says, the king and Haman, what happened? They were went and they were sitting and they were drinking. They were, they were happy. They were going good. On the other hand, the Jews during this time, it was a great sorrow, great mourning from the Jews. The Jews were down. However, we have Mordechai, and Mordechai, the Gilgal of Adam Arishan, he came along, and he remembered, he recalled what the Nachash Akadmani, the Nachash, he recalled what the Nachash did to him, and that's why it says something very interesting. Look at the Pasuk in Esther, the fourth chapter, the first Pasuk. It says, Mordechai Yoda is Kolasher Nase. Mordechai knew all that was going on. It says, Mordechai, wait a minute. It says, we went through this already before. This is all the story of Adam and the Nachash. He says, we went over here, and we fell over there. So what happened? Mordechai Yoda, he knew all this, and that's why he encouraged everybody on behalf of Esther also to go and do tshuva. And that's why in Esther chapter 4 verse 16, what it says, Lech knesis kola go bring all the Jews from everywhere. Don't eat or drink for three days. Fast for three days. You, you messed up in eating and drinking. Now you don't eat and drink. That's your ticket. You're going to atone for it, but you're not eating and you're not drinking. And Mordechai was able, and Esther were able to successfully Turn the tables. Meaning that Haman and Achashverosh had the upper hand. And when they had the upper hand, they got the drinking, they got the, you know, they got the wine. And the Jewish people were fasting. They didn't got, they didn't have any of that. But Mordechai was able to bring salvation. He was able to re- to switch it around through the fasting, through doing tshuva. He was able to turn it around. And what happens once he turned it around? Once he turned it around, and now the Jewish people were not any more due for annihilation. And now Haman, the Jews went up. And now Haman, uh, you know, went down. What does it say? It says in Esther chapter seven verse eight. Ufne Haman chafui. Haman became his face became covered with shame. And it's, so look at this. Instead of getting the Avera, the sin of the Eitz Adas, which Haman tried to evoke, tried to remind HaKadosh Baruch Hamre, Haman, the Nachash, they fell and it switched it around. The Yitlu is Haman ala Eitz. And now Haman got hung on the tree. Haman went and now he was hung on the tree. He wanted to go. He want, he wanted to evoke the sin of the Eitz Adas and he wanted to cause the Jewish people to go in the downfall. But the tables were turned. Literally, the tables were turned. And now instead of Mordechai being the one that fell, Haman was the one that fell. In the same sin of the Eitz Adas, now sort of it's like a tikkun. It's like a retribution. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu set it up this way that Haman and Mordechai would be able to misakin the original Avera that did with the Eitzadas. And what happens once there was a Tikkun, once everything went back to the way that it should have been, that's what it says in Esther chapter 16, it says, All of a sudden the, the Jewish people had were able to take back that element of Simcha, the element of happiness. The Simcha, is not only that they were able to be re- retrieve it during the end of the story of Purim, but also you look at the the drinking is also noted over here, and you look at Esther chapter nine verse twenty two. It says, "Asher yag in the simcha." It switched on them from sorrow to happiness. Me'evel yamtiv lasses aisam yimei mishta 
v'simcha. It ended up being a day of uh, of nishta v'simcha, a day of drinking and happiness. Again, it's connected those two things of drinking and happiness. And we see over here there was a con- throughout the entire story of the of the Megillah, there is a constant battle between bad simcha and good simcha, between Haman and between Mordechai, between evil and between good, and between the Nachash and between Adam Arishan. It's all that that was constantly battling against each other. And when one was up, the other one was down. And we kept the the the, the story was a kept on a balancing of up and down. Now, with this, this understanding, let's delve even a little bit deeper into what the Zohar says. The Zohar says in Parshas Taldos that the world, something that's, the Zohar kind of says something like that's so hard to understand. Listen to this. The world needs the evil inclination. The world needs the Yetzahara like the world needs rain. For without the Yetzahara, the joy of learning Torah would be absent. This is what the Zohar says. That with the Zohar and Parshas uh, told us that without the evil inclination, we won't have the joy of learning Torah. And this is very interesting. What the Benish Chai says based on this in the Gemara and Kedushin, uh, the Daf Lamed, page 30b, that says that Tanad Vei Rabbi Shmol, Impaga Bacham if the evil inclination encounters you, what are you supposed to do? If you're overcome with desire, with, with uh, the evil inclination, bring him into the base of Madrash, says the Benish Chai. If, if the evil inclination in, encounters you, and let's say through envy or physical desire, do not throw him out. Draw him into the base of Madrash and use that Power for a good purpose. You have jealousy, you have envy, use that to be jealous of people studying Torah. You have desire, so use that desire to provide a good explanation, to provide a chiddush, a novel interpretation of the Torah. And once you do that, says the Ben Ishchai, you will be able to achieve simcha of the Torah. You'll be able to achieve not only simcha, simcha that will be immeasurable. What, meaning, the, says the Ben Ishchai, that you know, we go, we chase after desires in this world. And we chase after different things, but once you tap into the desire of Torah, the desire of mitzvahs, there, the simcha, the happiness that you will achieve is immeasurable. It's not comparable to anything else. And this, explains the Shvili Pinchas, is what we're obligated to do. We're obligated to extract, to take out the simcha, the happiness from the evil inclination, and bring him to the base of Medrash. That means you bring him into Torah, bring him into mitzvos. Now we can see the importance of Purim. Purim, we are rectifying the sin of Adam. By the sin of Adam, the, the nachash, the evil inclination, took simcha, and extracted it from Kedusha, from, from holiness. What we do on Purim is we take that Simcha and we, we take it out of the, of the impurity and we put it into purity or we sort of we raise things, we raise it up. We, we take physicality and we infuse it with spirituality. We raise the level that it should be. When you take a apple and you make a bracha, you're taking something physical and you're raising it to a spiritual, a spiritual uh, realm. You, when you go, when you do any mitzvah, even if it's enjoyable to you, you're taking something that's physical and you're raising it into a spiritual realm of where it should be. And that really is the goal of what we're here on this world for. We're here to take, we're not, we're not angels. We're not just spiritual beings, we're physical beings, and our purpose is to take the physicality and raise it for spirituality. On Yom Kippur, we're like Malachim, which is great, which is amazing, which is a high level. That's not the purpose, though. The purpose is we're physical beings. You can't do Yom Kippur 365 days a year. Uh, let me just say, you shouldn't do Purim either 365 days a year. Uh, but, but what you, but the idea of Yom Kippur versus Purim, Yom Kippur is staying away from everything, and 99.9% of the people are not on that level and not able to do that. With the goal, the purpose of what we're placed on this world, on this earth, is to take the physical, take that Purim aspect, and infuse it with spirituality, and put spirituality into the physicality. And once we do that, we, once we, once we fix it, once we take the simple, we take the happiness, and we put it in the right place, in its rightful place of spirituality, this is what the Megillah on page 7b goes and says, We go and we drink Adela until you don't know Ben Araham and the Barach Mordechai. What does it mean that Adela Yada? 
The Avera of the Eitz Hadas was the Eitz Hadas Tovera, where Adam now, after after he ate from the Eitz Hadas, he knew the difference between good and bad. And that's why it says he was. He realized he was unclothed. We're not going to get into the whole story of that. But Adam all of a sudden had some sort of realization of good and bad. What we're drinking now, what, what, again, the, the, the idea of drinking, the idea of, of Adelayata means that you go until, you go until you, you, before the sin of the Eitzadas. Meaning Adeloyada. Adam now was Yada ben Taivara. We go when we drink Adeloyada. Meaning until we're going back before the sin of the Chet of the Eitzadas. Before the Chet of the Eitzadas, Adam didn't have this, 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 you know, Yada between Taivara. It was, it was obviously very different, which we're not gonna get to. It's a whole different topic in, in the, in the, um, Parshas Bereshis. But we're drinking because we, once we fix it, once we return the simcha, once we fix the sin of the Eitzadas, then we t- return everything to its rightful place. Then we get to the level of before Adam knew between good and bad, and hence that's why you drink Adeloyada. What is Adeloyada? Because you don't know the difference, meaning that it's before the sin, it's before the chet of the Eitzadas. And that's the task on Purim. The task on Purim is to extract simcha from the other domains and return it to the domain of Kedusha. To return it to the domain of holiness. When you look at the evil inclination, the evil inclination introduces sadness, depression, lethargy in the service of Kaddish Baruch Hu, Right? Whenever you're doing tefillah, davening, you're listening to that class, all of a sudden you get tired. You have to do something else. You have to, you're listening to that class, you're able to do it, but you have to do the dishes. You have to clean up. You have to do this. The, the Satan always introduces other things to try to get you away from, meaning that this is not as enjoyable, the Satan is saying. You want to know what's enjoyable? Olam Hazad, this world, that's enjoyable. Look at the beauty of this world. Look at the entertainment that we have in this world. The simcha that we have in this world says the Satan, this is what's going to give you happiness. This is what's going to give you what you want in life. But the truth of the matter is, is that the simcha, the happiness and the physicality, is sort of the bad happiness, that's short-lived. That's not something that was withstanding. And that's why when you have people that, that are depraved, they go into the most despicable sins in the, in, 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 that, that's available, they feel disgusting afterwards. They don't feel good afterwards. They feel disgusting afterwards because they realize it's all nonsense. But when you tap into the true simcha, the true happiness, that's in the happiness of the Kedusha, that's the happiness of the Torah, that's, a, that's something that does, after you, after you, whatever it is, whether it's a mitzvah, learning, whatever it is that you got, you got this, this certain level of happiness, that doesn't go away afterwards. And in fact, it sort of strengthens in in some sort of way. But when you go into the happiness of the physical world, there's the, the happiness is does not last. It just doesn't. It just doesn't last. And that's why you have people that have achieved everything in the desires of the world, and they're not happy, and they're depressed, and they they, they just can't because it's not lasting. They thought this is what's going to get to them. The way that the satan is able to get us is that. He doesn't, very few people are able to tap into all the desires that they want to do in this world. Very few people, right? But you have people, you have very famous people that have been able to tap into every desire that they wanted. And then they could come to the conclusion and they say, well, happiness is not here. I've tried this and that's why they end up in drugs and they end up in rehab and they end up in different addictions and they end up in all these other things because they search everywhere and they achieved everything, but they still didn't get what they wanted. The way that the evil inclination gets us is that's only a 0.1% of the population that is able to achieve it. 99.9% of the population is not able to achieve that level of, of just tapping into all your desires. So the way the evil inclination says, you know why you're not happy? Because you didn't do this desire. And it keeps on saying there's another step. For the 0.1% that achieved all those steps and more, they can come back and say there's nothing there. But the evil inclination says that 99.9% of other of, of people in the world says you didn't achieve everything that this star, this movie, whatever, this multi-billionaire was able to achieve. So hence, you still need to go and try to get the happiness in this area. So we try and we delve into happiness in money. And then we try in desire. And then we try in food. And we try in alcohol. And we try in all different things to try to tap into the happiness that we all so desperately want. 
But the problem is that the second that you get that, you may have momentarily happiness, but it's not going to be long happiness. It's not going to be happiness that's going to be everlasting. The everlasting happiness is only with Torah and mitzvahs. It's only when you delve into the spirituality of happiness. But the spirituality of happiness does not lie only in the realm of spirituality. If you go and you drink for whatever reason, and after that drinking, you may feel good a little bit, but afterwards you feel disgusting, you feel bad. Be like, oh, God, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe, you know, like, oh, I can't believe I drank so much. I can't believe. You go and you feel really bad. You overeat. You'll be like, oh, I feel so disgusting. I delved into the physical pleasures. You don't feel good. But when you're able to delve into the physical pleasures with Kedusha, and again, that's a key word. Just because you drink on Purim doesn't mean that it's Kedusha, right? It happens to be, there's, there's different levels of what you should be thinking and what you should be doing and what you should, how you should be acting and why you should be drinking. Again, we're not going to get into all of that. But if you delve into the physical pleasures of this world with Kedusha, you don't wake up the next day being like, oh, I can't believe what did I do? Ah, why did I do that? I feel so disgusting. You're like, oh, you rejuvenate. You feel amazing. You're like, I just tapped into another level of service of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. The simcha that's associated with Torah and mitzvahs is everlasting. The simcha, the happiness associated with physicality, it's momentarily and then it evaporates. And not only that, it goes into the negative. But I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is, is that people try to delve into the spiritual pleasures of the physicality, but they don't do it right. Meaning that they go and let's say they drink, or they go and they eat, and they're saying, we're doing it, L'Shem Shemayim, but really the true essence of it is, it's not L'Shem Shemayim. And that's why they wake up, they don't feel good about it. They don't feel connected. When you're going and you want to connect, you want to take the, the physicality and you want to raise it to a high level, you really have to go and you really have to bring yourself into a level of Kedusha. You really have to go before you drink, you say, I'm drinking, you know, I'm drinking to raise this up to another level. I'm raising myself to another level. Not I'm drinking because, oh, it tastes good and I like the way I feel. Or I'm not eating this because, oh, it tastes good. You're, you're raising the food to another. And that's why we do brachos. If you go and you say, oh, yeah, of course I'm doing it for Kedusha, but you don't make a good bracha, Vishayna, bracha, achrena, you didn't do it for the bracha. You didn't do it for Kedusha. You did it for yourself. So we have to focus and realize and be honest with ourselves. You want to, you want to feel good. You want to tap into that happiness. You, when you do the physicality and you're doing it for the, make sure that your essence is really for the spirituality. And it doesn't take so much. It takes a little bit of preparation, a little bit of mental thinking beforehand. And once you tap into that, you will feel a difference. You'll see a difference. And especially the next day, you'll feel a difference. So, with this understanding, we can begin to look into a very interesting Gemara. And the Gemara on Shabbos, page 88a, says that as a result of the miracle of Purim, the Yidin, the Jewish people, are able to accept the Torah out of love, out of, out of Ahava. What happened? In Matan Torah, when the Jewish people first receive the Torah, they were forced to receive the Torah. Kaddish Baruch Hu put a mountain over them. He says, you better, you better accept it, or otherwise I'm, this is going to be your burial place. So they were forced to take it. They didn't take it out of love. On Purim, the Pasuk in Esther, chapter 9, verse 27, it says, it says, Kimu v'kiblu Yehudim. The Jews took upon themselves, they accepted what they took upon themselves. Says the Gemara and Shabbos, what does that mean? The Gemara and Shabbos says, Kimu v'kiblu Yehudim, what is that? Kimu masha kiblu kfar. They accepted what they already accepted before, meaning that they accepted the Torah. But they accepted the Torah before they were forced to it. Now they accepted it out of love, out of ahava, out of out of out of love. Now the question is, what does one like? What does Purim have to do with accepting the Torah out of, of ahava? So what explains the Shvili Pinchas? Once Mordechai was able to successfully retrieve the simcha of kedusha, he was able to take the happiness of kedusha. Now the Jewish people understood that the only genuine simcha, they, it went, they, they were able to tap into that happiness of Kedusha. Now the Jewish people were able to say, okay, the only genuine happiness, only the happiness that endures and lasts forever is only the simcha of the Torah. 
And that's what stems from Ahavas Hashem, loving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, now that the Simcha, the happiness, was able to be returned into their realm, and now that Mordechai was able to do the Tikkun of Adam and the Nachash, of Mordechai and Haman, or now the realm of happiness went into the realm of Kedusha. And now we're able to tap into, now we're able to really love HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and not only love HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but to take Love against broken is not the right word, but to, the, to accept the Torah out of love, to take the 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 Torah that we already accepted, but now to accept it out of ahava. So the true simcha, the true happiness, all stems from the Torah and from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And this is another reason why we drink adulayada. We drink until you don't know the difference between Ara Haman and Baruch Mordechai. We don't know the difference between bless, curse. You don't know the difference. What do you mean you don't know the difference? You know the difference between because it's all Hakadosh Baruch Hu. It's all from Hashem. Meaning that you want to tap into true happiness, you have to get out of the realm of reality of what you see. It you see reality as this is good and this is bad. This, that's how you see it. But once you drink to the level of Adolayat, that means that you go, and by the way, it's not that you have to drink to get to this level. It's contemplation and realization of realizing that it wasn't Haman and it wasn't Mordechai. It was all HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave and saved us. It was all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Once you tap into realizing that the true Simcha is a Torah, and the true Simcha is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then everything falls right into play, and sort of like a light bulb flickers on. And you're able to see reality in a completely different light that you have ever seen before. And with this understanding, we can begin to see the difference, well, one of the infinite differences between Judaism and other religions. Other religions, they go and they run away from materialistic things. They say, no, you want to go, you want to tap into spirituality, you have to run away from physicality. Judaism doesn't teach you that. Judaism teaches you that you take physicality, you take materialistic things, and you elevate it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can take whatever it is that you want and say, okay, fine, I'll elevate it. No, no, no. According to the laws, according to the laws of the Torah, if you take something and it's materialistic and you derive pleasure from it, but you're able to elevate it, that you just raise it to another level. The problem, the problem where everyone else falls into, these radical errors, the big errors that they come into is that they make their own decisions out of their own understanding. And that's why when you delve into different Abrahamic religions, Abrahamic religions is Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, right? Judaism came first. Christianity was born within the Jewish tradition, right? It was a, it was sort of like a, you know, a, a reform, the first reform movement, technically. And then, uh, Islam came from Christianity and Judaism, sort of a, a combined. The, one of the main differences between Judaism and, and the other two is that Judaism was a God-given religion. Completely from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Christianity and Islam is a man-made religion. They went, and that's why you see that there have been in Christianity, for example, there's 45,000 different denominations. 45,000 different versions of Christianity. Do you understand that? There's over 400,000 different variants of the New Testament. The New Testament only has 139,000 words. There's over 400,000 variants. Again, some of them are, are, you know, very small. But even if you take a fraction of that, even if you take a percentage of a percentage of that, it's still something. Meaning that there's so, why is there so many differences? Because it's all man-made. And this one decided to change this thing. And this one decided to, that's why you have, it's, it's, it's something that's so hard to understand where you, they both believed in the Old Testament. They both believe that a Kaddish Baruch Hu gave the Torah to Yidin. What happened to Shabbos? What happened to Kosher? What happened to Avodah Desire? What happened to all these things? No, that's not needed anymore, right? Christianity took it, threw it all out. Islam said, "No, we don't need it. We throw, we throw it all out." Where, why, where, when, and how did they go and they throw something that came out from the divine? They know, you know, they made some different excuses out of their mind. Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't want us to do this anymore. God doesn't want us to do this anymore. We don't have to do it anymore, and they took it out of their reality. 
And what, you know, the, the difference over here is, is that once you put your own idea into something divine, then you skewed the whole thing up. Everything is completely messed up. You just decided what's right and what's wrong. You can't decide what's right and what's wrong. That's moral relativism, right? This is something that we spoke about before where, where morality, if you're defined morality, d- depending on what you think is right and wrong, you will never be accurate, you'll never be correct, and you will never be long-lasting. Meaning that in the olden days, old ancient civilizations, they used to go and they used to uh, um, sacrifice, human sacrifices to gods. Back then, that was the most moral thing that you could do. You were at such a high level if you were able to go and sacrifice a human being yourself to a god. Can you get any higher than that? Now you look at it as murder. You look at it as the worst thing. What was so morally accurate and correct 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, today, it's the worst thing possible. So how could something be right then and wrong now? And the answer is that if you define what's right and wrong based on your own decision, it's going to be right now, but it's going to be wrong in two years and four years and 2,000 years. Meaning so it's never really right if you define your own reality based on what you think is right and wrong, and this is why it's such a problem where people go and they think, you know what, I am going to be spiritual or religious in my own way. What does that mean in my own way? I'm gonna, this is right and this is wrong and now I'm going to stop. You will never succeed in the spiritual world if that's what you define yourself. If you define what you decide is right. Because who can say that's, that's accurate? Look at 2,000 years. Look at four, we could see how reality changed. And you don't even have to go that far back. You look at the mafia. If, if somebody is going and is sort of uh, uh, infringing or interferes with the welfare of the family... It's the only moral thing, the only right thing to do is to take care of the situation. And taking care of the situation does not mean taking them out to lunch and, you know, speaking to them nicely, right? Taking care of the situation means that they're not going to bother the family anymore. Now, for the, for the family, that is the most noble thing that you could do. But for anybody else, that's the worst thing that you could do. So when we look at reality, and and this is where the other religions just fall so short, is that they decided what's right and wrong based on their own understanding. The Torah comes and tells you what's right and what's wrong. The Torah tells you exactly where you should be standing and what you should be doing. But when you go and you start putting your own mindset into it, you're going to come into radical errors. And that's why in Christianity, in Islam, and many other religions, if you look at physicality, you say, no, that doesn't make any sense to me. If you want to be spiritual, how can you delve into physicality? You can't delve into physicality. And hence, the holiest day of the year has to be a day where you completely remove yourself from physicality. The Torah says, no, 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 that's not what you're placed on this earth to do. You're placed on this earth to go and take the physicality and raise it into a whole nother level and raise it into spirituality. You're supposed to take the physical and you're supposed to bring it up to to the spiritual, not run away from the physical. Some things run away from. But in general, things that are kosher, you're supposed to take them and utilize them for the good. And this is another reason why we drink Adelayada. We drink to realize Adelayada, you know what is Adelayada? Until you realize you don't know. We think that we know. We come and we make our own decisions. And once we come, we make our own decisions. We come into radical errors like Christianity, Islam, and so on and so forth. And we have to drink until we realize we don't know. Adelayada, I have no idea. We don't know. The only thing that we do know is we have to follow the Torah. And if the Torah says you should do it, then you do it. If the Torah says you don't do it, then you don't do it. And it's as simple as that. And the Jews fell short on this in the story of Purim. In the story of Purim, the Jews went and they, the Achashverosh made a party. And the Jewish, Mordechai says, don't go. This is all back to what Haman and Achashverosh, um, I'm sorry, it's all back to what Adam and the Nachash. Stay away. But the Jews says, wait a minute, we have to go to the party. How do we stay away from the party? This is the king. It's going to look bad if we don't go. We have to go. We have to partake. It's all part. And the Jewish people started making their own calculations, their own understanding, their own reasoning. So what happened was they came to radical errors. And the errors that they came to was that they unfortunately were decreed to be annihilated. What they thought would save them really destroyed them. 
what Christianity, what Islam, what all these other religions, what they think is going to save them, is really what unfortunately is going to be ultimately going to destroy them. They're not following what God asked to do. You decided to change things. You decided to make things your way. The biggest problem is that they think they're doing something right. They think that they're okay, but in reality, they're the furthest from okay. And this is what we see from the story of Purim. When you look at the story of Purim, there is a constant battle, there is a constant fight between good and between evil. But the fight circulates between wine and between happiness. And when you look at the story from outside, and you look at it, be like, wait a minute, like this whole idea, like wine, happiness, like this should not, this is not, you know, you look at other religions, you know, you got to be serious, you got to be focused, you got to, and again, of course, you you know, Judaism also supposed to also be, be serious, but like happiness, wine, this is like, no, that's party, that's wrong. But Purim comes and shows us, no, 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 happiness, wine, pleasures of this world, you're able to tap into that if you do it the right way. If you tap, if you go and you raise it to a level of spirituality, if you go and you take the physicality and you raise it, that's when you're winning. And that's what the fight that Mordechai and, and, and Haman were having. The second that Mordechai was, was up, Haman was down. The second that Mordechai, the Jews were down, Haman and Achishverosh, they were partying, they were drinking, they were wine, and it was a constant, a constant battle. But at the end of the story of Purim, Mordechai was able to go and retrieve that simcha, take that simcha, that happiness that, that, that was stolen from the original sin and bring him back into the realm of Kedusha. And the job that we have to do on Purim, the job, that focus that we have to do on Purim is to take that happiness and infuse it with spirituality. But we don't do that by running away from physicality. The way that we do that is that we take the physicality and we infuse it with spirituality. And that raises the level of simcha. You're taking the happiness from the physical and from the spiritual. But here's the point that I feel that we, most of us fall short of. We delve into the Purim parties, and we delve into the Shalach Maraz, and we delve into all these things, but we miss one crucial, crucial point. And that is the point of realizing why we're doing it all. We get so in our head about having a beautiful mishloch monos and it has to match the costumes and it has, we get so into the physical that we forget the spiritual. See, the Satan is working very hard on this powerful, powerful day. This day that it's Yom Kippurim, it's a day like Purim, is, is Purim is so high. The Satan works so hard on this day. And it tries to infuse with us with different things to try to get us away from taking that simcha that we were able to achieve and putting it into the physicality, putting it into the spirituality. We have to stop coming this Purim. And just try, even if you're able to do it for a few minutes, just try to stop. And before you do something, before you drink a little bit of wine, before you eat a little bit of, of the meal, of meat, or whatever it is that you're eating, before you go and you dress up, before you go and give mishloch, you stop for a second. And you realize what you're doing over here. You're taking the physicality and you're infusing it with spirituality. We tapped into the level of, we, we tapped into the simcha that the nachash stole. We got it back. But now that we have it back, we have to place it somewhere. And it has to be placed in Kedusha. The unfortunate thing is that you have parties, and unfortunately, I don't even want to get into what goes on in the world, unfortunately. We have to make sure that we're taking Purim. Purim is such a holy day. Don't waste it by missing the opportunity. And that's why you go and you hear speeches after everyone saying, Tefillah is huge on this day. The power is on this. There's so much power on this day. There's a day that we have to tap into the happiness. We really have to tap into that. We have to think. We have to contemplate. We have to realize that everything is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We, we don't know the difference. You know why we don't know that? Because everything is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You let that, hap- let that thought, you know, like, like seep inside of you. Let that idea realize that it's all HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And let the idea realize that Adeloyada, that it, what, what do you mean is that Adeloyada? We fix the 
the the sin of Adam and Chava, uh, Adam and Chava on the Nachash to a certain extent. We fix it, and that's why we went to the place before we knew the difference between good and bad. Tap into the power that you have on this day. And once you tap into the power of this day, the blessings of this day is unmeasurable. But not only the blessings of this day is unmeasurable, the happiness of this day is unmeasurable. And here's a litmus test that I'm telling you now, this is my own thing, you may not agree with it. You want to know how you had a successful Purim? The day after Purim, how do you feel about Purim? Shushan Purim. What do you think about Purim? Did I succeed in that day? Or did I just drink and, uh, uh, and uh, run around over here? You know, got upset because we were sitting in traffic running from this Mishlach. Purim becomes such a stressful day for all of us. It's a beautiful day. You're stuck in traffic. Contemplate certain things. Contemplate the beauty of Purim. Contemplate the beauty of Enam There's so many things that you can contemplate and can tap into. So I beg of each and every one of us that we go and we tap into tap this Purim. Tap into it. Just tap into it. Just just a little bit. Just a little bit. And once you tap into it, see how successful your perm is going to be. See how happy your perm is going to be. Make sure that you tap into the good happiness and not the bad happiness. And with that, we'll open up to any questions. Okay. First, uh, Hashem had to create evil so that we could have free will. Correct. If everything was rainbows and butterflies, we wouldn't have any choices. Good is good and bad is bad. Hashem is everything. 100%. So we did, there had to be Evil in the world, and uh, um, the, the real, the, I, I guess, a better, a better, a, a, a better word for that. There has to be an evil inclination in the world, because then we have free will. Otherwise, we don't have free will. So the truth of the matter is that 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 is a reason. It's another reason of why it's so important and imperative that there is the evil inclination in the world. Otherwise. There's no free will. If there's no free will, then there's no point of us being here. We're literally like robots. We might as well be another artificial intelligence just sitting and doing what we're supposed to be doing. So, so Shira, 100%, you are correct in that comment. Okay. Looks like we have no more, no more questions that came in. I know this is, this was a deep, you know, idea and we went through different, uh, um, different thoughts on this, but, the essence, and something like this, you know, I went through this so many times. Maybe you have to listen to it twice. Maybe if you want, you could email me. I can send you the actual, the Shvili Pinchas. But I think, you know, it's something that you have to really, you know, really, really like, like delve into it. I hope that it was clear and I hope you were able to, to gain some, some extra, um, Knowledge on this. Okay. Well, before we ha- we we sign off, I see there's a few more questions that came in. I am confused on the concept of drinking alcohol. Why is it a mitzvah to get drunk? Oh, excellent question. So I actually have a whole class on this, um, uh, and if it's on Torah anytime, um, it's something on Purim on alcohol. And, oh, it's something on Purim on drinking. Uh, so if you want, I could send you that whole class because there's a lot to you know to speak about that. So so the the um, the mitzvah to get drunk is something that is very misconstrued. The mitzvah is not to get drunk. The mitzvah is to get to a level of adalayata. But really, the mitzvah is and the shlach says this that if you go and you drink. And you're not going to be able to bench. You're not going to be able to dive, and you're not going to be able to do anything. It's not a mitzvah to drink. You're not. You're not doing anything right. So again, this is a very nuanced thing that people do not look at the nuances, and they just take it and they run with it because, yay, it's fun. Let's do it. So it's too. I don't know. We, we don't have the time to be able to go through it. But if you want, I will send you the link to this. Um, uh, you know, to this class, and this way you'll be able to go delve in it. I have a class, whole whole class, just on drinking that we gave. I don't remember how long ago um, on it, but but I'm gonna bleed out there, send it to you. Okay. Um, uh, can the Rav elaborate more on davening segulas? So, okay. So the idea behind th- there is a very very big concept on davening on. And the, I'm gonna give you like one simple understanding on it, on why it's such a, such a, such a powerful day. There's many, by the way, there's many reasons. I'm just gonna give you one, uh, um, you know, one of, one of this. So, 
the Jewish people were decreed to die, to be annihilated on, uh, you know, on Purim. Now, imagine you have, uh, you know, there's there's parents, and the parents go and um, the the they want to buy something for their for their child, and the child asks them for something that's very very expensive, and the parents say, listen, you know, it's very expensive, you know, like we can't really afford it, we can't. What what else do you want? They try to get them something else, and you know, they, they weren't able to come to a conclusion. As they're having the discussion, a day or two goes by, and uh, this child that asks something very expensive from the parents gets into like a terrible accident or whatever, like something really terrible, life-threatening. And Baruch Hashem, this child makes it back, and, and sort of like it's on the brink of like an, of, of death, and then and then it comes back. What do you think these parents are going to do for this child? Oh, you wanted this expensive thing? No problem. They bought it for them. Oh, but it was too expensive. Now, when they almost lost this child, they're like, whatever you want, you know, we'll, you know, we'll give you. This is, the, you know, whatever you want. So what happened was on Purim, Purim, the Jewish people were, were going to be destroyed. They, right around the corner and uh, we have a game sorry about that. I'm I'm getting the, the while I'm saying this I'm getting the class for the for the drinking and they put me an ad over here that I can't skip. So what happened was on Purim the Jewish people were set to be annihilated and then they came back. So we're we're sort of and in, in, in Hakadosh Baruch Hu, there's no like past, present, and future. Everything is is at the same time. Hakadosh Baruch Hu sees everything at the same time. So every Purim, it's as if we were going to get annihilated and we came back. So we're back over here, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu, our Father in Heaven, we're His children. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, our Father says, "I almost lost you," and we say, "Oh, can we?" And we ask for something that maybe is a little bit more than uh, you know we deserve or we earn, but we were we were about to be annihilated. And if we're about to be annihilated, and now we gave we. Came back and this brother says, "Whatever you want, I'll give to you." So for that, that's one of the reasons of why um, uh, Purim is a very, very big power for for uh, you know for tefillah. There's other reasons because whatever we're not going to get into all that. that that's uh, you know I, I guess one of it. That's that's enough, and that's why there's a lot of schoolers related to davening. Um, uh, so. I, I just posted on the the, uh, the class over here in the chat over here on alcohol. So if whoever wanted that can can look at that and I go into quite into into details on it. Okay. Um, why didn't Mordechai give Esther a get? <laughs> okay. This is a whole another uh, you know uh, category in its in itself. So so the background behind this question is that um, there is an opinion that Mordechai and Esther were married, and if Mordechai and Esther were married, there's a whole problem with Esther being you know married to Achashverosh. Uh, there is uh, who, who says this? I believe it was the man laws brings down that every time that Esther was with Achashverosh, she was never really with Achashverosh. She sent. She had power over a particular spiritual being. Uh, let's just call it that for the the, necess- the the niceness of it. And she sent that instead of her going, except for one time where whatever. It gets into a, a little bit of a complicated, um, you know, uh, you know, situation over here. But again, this itself is a very you know. So not all opinion says that they were married. But again, we're not going to get into all that uh, that detail. Very interesting topic. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, here I posted it. Okay, here we go. Sh- okay, uh, should I specifically force myself to be happy on Purim, even if I don't feel like it, and would rather be more serious on Purim? So, I think there is, you know, happy does not mean lightheaded. You could be serious and happy. You should be serious. It's a serious day. But you could also be happy and serious. You shouldn't be lightheaded and be like, oh, you know, like all crazy and, and, you know, stupid or whatever, you know, in a, in a more of a, of a, you know, like, uh, let's call it a Gaisha fashion. But you should be serious, but you should also be happy. 100%. Um, you should be happy already today. You're supposed to be even, you know, happier even before, uh, um, uh, you know, Parm comes around. But 100%, you should be happier, happy on Purim. And again, the, the, you know, simcha, happiness is the same, same letters, besimcha is the same letters as machshava. Happiness stems from the mind. So that means is that you really should, if you want to achieve happiness, try to 
contemplate on different things that would bring you happiness. Now, many people cannot get to that level without a little bit of coaching, but try to get to, you know, to a level of like, you know, happiness, whether it's through gratitude or whatever it is to, to a level of, of simple. 100% you should do that. Um, okay. We got one last question over here and then we'll close it off. Did Esther send a succubus? I'm not sure what, what, what that is. Is that like a, uh, you know, a demon or something? Um, if, if so, um, oh, a female demon? Yes, yes. So that's what she was able to send, some sort of, of demon. Um, so, like that. Right. So, so in the days of even the days of Gemara, nowadays we don't tap into, into these different things. Not even nowadays. Even you know, hundreds of years ago, we don't tap into it because it's dangerous, and you have to be on a certain level to be able to do it. In the, let's call it in the, in the times of Esther, the times of the Gemara, they were able to tap into these things without getting harmed. Um, and you see, even the, I believe it was a story of the Rabshem Bayechai that was able to um, send a demon for certain, you know, certain things. So, so it's not that it's not okay to do it now and it was ne- meaning that it was, ne- it's not like it, it was never okay. It's just like now we don't do it because of very, very obvious reasons. And back then, they were on a different level and they were able to, you know, correctly do it. But again, this is, there's, there's different level. Once you're dealing with, you know, once you're dealing, dealing in the magical realm, let's call it, even though that's not the right word. Um, uh, so there's, there's Kabbalistic, there's, there's kosher, uh, ways to do things. There's, uh, um, let's call it practical Kabbalah, white magic versus black magic, if you want to call it like that, like, like, like kosher magic versus bad magic. Now it's all bad. But back then there was certain areas that they were able to delve into. But again, it was only certain people. And uh, again, magic is not a right word because magic you're not allowed to do. But, you know, certain, certain, you know, Gedal and Sadiqim were able to tap into certain things, uh, certain powers, let's just call it. So back then it was it was uh, uh, okay, but nowadays it's a big no no. Okay, looks like that was all the questions. Thank you all for joining. I hope that this came out clearer that you guys were able to understand. If not, I apologize that I wasted an hour of whatever of your time. Uh, well, the truth is, it wasn't a wasted because you still got uh, you know you still get reward for the you know for learning for learning Tyra. But if you only got one one thing, let this be the takeaway. There's good happiness and there's bad happiness, right? There's good happiness that stems from Kedusha, from holy things, and that doesn't mean only spirituality. Even in physicality, you could tap into good happiness. You take the physicality and you raise it to spirituality, that becomes good happiness. You should go and make sure, coming this part, and in general, try to tap into good happiness and stay very far away from bad happiness. The happiness that, that, that stems from the physicality has nothing to do with Kedusha. And with that, I will all bid you a... Freilichen Parim, a Parim Sameach, and may you able to really tap into the good happiness. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.